Welcome to another edition of Liberation Station Radio Show. I'm your host, Chris Steiner, this July 31st, 2018. We have a big show for you this evening, and it's going to feature four guests if we can work out all the technical issues. I'm trying to, uh, for the first time, do the show from my home. And uh, getting in all these guests will be an exciting adventure, I'm sure. Later on, in about a half hour, we will talk about the awesome victory that DeSoto County had in not allowing Mosaic Phosphate Mining Company to uh, rezone 18,000, or uh, I'm not sure if the figure is 14,000 based on what I've read, but um, <laughs> thousands of acres that they wanted to continue their scourge uh, on the landscape to poison the waterways and and uh, destroy lives and health and uh, uh, the wildlife. So we will have four guests who were uh, instrumental activists in DeSoto County in addressing the county commission there on July 25th, just uh, the day after last week's show. And uh, we will uh, enjoy hearing how they accomplished what they did and how to sustain that that awesome victory and how to spread the victories like that uh, around um, other areas, uh, other municipalities, uh, especially here in Florida, because Mosaic uh, does so much business here in Florida, um, unfortunately. And uh, it's, I wish I could, I'm so tempted to start getting into how terrible it has been, but let's just start out with a little bit of news. Now, what we have um, uh, a story here on jury rights, and uh, it's the uh, Atlanta Journal-Constitution entitled, uh, the article's entitled, Torpy at Large, Man Grows Pot, Admits It, Jury Sends Him Home. You might wonder, how is that possible? You know, the judge and the state attorney always tell jurors that they have to decide what facts they believe to be true, and they must apply the law. Well, the bottom line is that is not the case. And you can, as a juror, hang a jury if you decide that the law being charged is unjust or it was silly or it's unconstitutional or for any reason. Say the accused has already made restitution. And um, you, you think that the person is engaged in the right to pursuit of happiness. So these are great reasons that uh, the judges and prosecuting attorneys will try to disallow jurors, try to misdirect jurors. I call it jury tampering by telling them, uh, directing them that they don't have the right to judge the validity of a law for what, any, any reason. And uh, you can find much more on this at Fully Informed Jury Association. That's F-I-J-A dot O-R-G. That's FIJA dot org. And you can find a lot of uh, Supreme Court cases and uh, uh, founding father statements uh, stating such as the case. Now, this article dated July 27th, 2018 from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, Torpy at Large, Man Grows Pot, Admits It, Jury Sends Him Home, by Bill Torpy. And it starts, Giovanni McCoy was growing marijuana when the cops came to his middle Georgia home. He was caught red-handed with it, 
almost a pound of it, in fact. He admitted it to the police, and later he looked jurors in the eye and said, yup, it was mine. I used it as medicine. The jurors let him go. He was minding his own business and wasn't hurting anybody, they reasoned. He just doesn't belong in prison. The jury's decision earlier this month in Dublin, Georgia, may have been due to a muddled prosecution of a muddy case. Or it may have been jury nullification, another case of citizens saying prosecutions for pot are not worth law enforcement's time and effort, or the impact on otherwise law-abiding people's lives. It was the second such win in the Lawrence County Circuit for Atlanta attorney Catherine Bernard, a conservative Republican who's also a staunch civil libertarian. Late last year, another client of hers fessed up to a jury that he had sold a couple of nickel bags, meaning uh, cannabis bags worth $5, that's the slang term for nickel bags, to an insistent undercover drug cop. That client was cut loose after just 18 minutes of deliberation. And this is no liberal soft on crime region. Donald Trump won the county two to one. Bernard also helped get North Georgia authorities to drop charges against the parents of a 15-year-old whose parents allowed him to smoke pot to help combat severe seizures. Ultimately, what may have kept McCoy out of an orange jumpsuit was that his lawyer urged the jury to empower themselves. She told them they are not potted plants or an unthinking arm of government. They, in fact, are the government. She read to the jury a section from the Georgia Constitution that says, quote, the jury shall be the judges of the law and the facts, end quote. And to interject that there are many states where the Constitution says, such as the case, reinforces the right of the jurors to decide whether to apply the law. But uh, regardless of whether it's in the Constitution across the country, as I mentioned earlier, that state attorneys prostituting attorneys and judges will usually misdirect juries otherwise. Now, continuing the article, Bernard said the judge chided her for bringing that up, but it seems the words sank in. The case started when police were called to McCoy's mobile home four years ago. McCoy's half-brother had allegedly attacked him with a stick and McCoy grabbed his 22 rifle, the one he uses to hunt squirrels, and shot his sibling in the shoulder. Police found several potted plants in McCoy's bedroom and tagged him with several charges, including aggravated assault and manufacturing marijuana, a felony that can bring 10 years. The case stalled in the system and McCoy decided to go to trial. Right before the trial, the state dropped the assault accusation, but kept the pot felony charges. Prosecutors did not respond to my messages. That's uh, the author of the article, Bill Torpy, stating that the prosecutors did not respond to his messages. McCoy was offered eight years probation, Bernard says, but chose to fight the case. During trial, McCoy decided to testify. He had little, little choice. He was caught red-handed. He said his attorney told him, quote, talk to them. They will connect you, end quote. <laughs> he gulped and sat in the witness box telling jurors that 15 years ago he was mugged and beaten into a coma. 
he has suffered migraines and depression and ended up self-medicating with pot, quote, because Zoloft turned me into a zombie, end quote. Prosecutors tried to make it look so bad that I was selling it, but I had nothing to hide, McCoy told me, explaining his decision to testify. Quote, the jurors had their eyes on me. I had my eyes on them, end quote. Quote, marijuana makes you eat, end quote, McCoy told the jury. Quote, it makes me feel calm. It made me relax. It helps me with my pain, end quote. He is, also, he is a county guy who lives by, quote, unquote, hustling, painting, landscaping, selling fish, driving people to the store. Ultimately, he said, quote, we had a jury you could relate to, truck drivers, mechanics, construction, people who worked. They saw I wasn't bothering nobody. That's what I believe they felt, end quote. Bernard said she doesn't coach defendants before they testify because juries pick up on that. Quote, I think they appreciated his honesty, end quote. People in Dublin have, respected, have respect for the law, Bernard said, but this was about fairness, about properly using law enforcement resources. Quote, in America, we leave someone alone if they are not bothering somebody, end quote, Bernard said. Quote, a world where he needs to be dragged away by armed men and put in a cage is not a world where people want to live, end quote. She doesn't like the term jury nullification. Quote, it brings up a negative image. It's simply part of being a jury. The jury judges the law and the facts, end quote. Denise de la Rue, a jury consultant not involved in this case, said, quote, jurors are really interested in justice. There, often, there are often cases of no less, no loss, no foul. There's no real victim here, end quote. That's pretty much what the jurors said. A couple said the case presented to them by prosecutors was a mess because the lawyers had to avoid talking about the shooting. In fact, the jurors I spoke with never even knew the missing charge involved a shooting. Two of them said, quote unquote, second chances also played heavily into their verdict. Lizzie May Davis said, quote, he was believable. He wasn't trying to make money. He had to he had it to ease his health, end quote. Davis said she has, or she really has no problem with people using pot, quote, as long as they're not around me, end quote. Juror Brian Lloyd said of the verdict, quote, sometimes good things happen to good people, end quote. Kenneth Thompson, who works in construction, said jurors liked that McCoy was, quote, unquote, forthright. Ultimately, they decided the man didn't deserve to get tossed into the slammer. Quote, if he's disrupting the peace and dignity of the state, well, a lot of us said he wasn't bothering anybody, end quote, Thompson said. By that, he was referring to an argument that Bernard made, pointing out the indictment has standard Georgia legalese that says that uh, the alleged crime was, quote, contrary to the laws of said state, the good order, peace, and dignity thereof, end quote. How on earth was a man in a trailer growing weed for his headaches affecting anyone's good order, peace, or dignity, she argued. It's good to see citizens often have more common sense than the system. 
And I'm so encouraged to see that jury nullification is being applied here. That means that a jury can nullify bad law, especially if a juries nullify that law repeatedly. The prosecutors aren't going to prosecute because it's not going to be worth their time on this on the uh, conveyor belt of cash register justice. Now, you might ask, well, why isn't jury nullification better known? How do judges and prostituting attorneys get away with misdirecting juries and the juries blindly following those misdirections? Well, it's because the the voir dire jury selection process often will weed out any reluctant juries, jurors, and what will happen is that uh, you know a, a juror will often tell their fellow jurors that I believe that this man wasn't violating uh, a law or uh, he wasn't doing anything wrong and I'm just going to acquit because uh, I have a right to nullify the law. I have a right to judge the law. And so as a juror, when you tell your fellow jurors that, they will often go inform the prosecuting attorney and the judge, therefore the judge. The judge will hold a, a juror who's exercising his or her rights to hold them in contempt and remove them from the jury. And so they'll just uh, pick an alternate juror and continue on with the case. So the best solution is to exercise your right as a juror, but keep quiet. Don't tell your fellow jurors that you're doing so. Just tell them that you don't think that the evidence was convincing. You don't believe that the witnesses were convincing, that the police were convincing, and point out cases or points where incidents where a witness, like a cop, often will contradict themselves, and just point that out and tell your fellow jurors that's why you are not going to convict. But keep quiet. Don't tell them, hey, let's all get together and make this a super majority, or let's try to get together a majority, or you know, please join me in nullifying bad law because what will happen, as I said, is they'll inform on you and then you'll be removed and possibly held in contempt. And then um, injustice will continue steamrolling over the rest of us. If you think a juror, uh, if you're a juror and you think that a law being applied is for a victimless crime, which is no crime at all, that's another good reason to acquit. If you feel uh, any reason that the the juror the, uh, the the accused should not be prosecuted, uh, like I said, they've already made restitution. The law is being misapplied. The law is silly, unconstitutional, or even the Constitution itself. For any reason, if that if the con if the law is constitutional, you can nullify bad constitutional law, whether it's a state or a federal constitution. So really, as a juror, you're the fourth branch of government. You yourself, just as a juror, have so much more power than they tell you, than the system will tell you. I, uh, again, urge you, if you're not aware, to check out your rights at fija.org, fullyinformedjuryassociation.org. And uh, before I move on to the next story, let me try to see how... I am able to connect here to the control room if uh, 
If you're able to hear me control room, let's uh, try to talk on Facebook Messenger. Um, doesn't look like Skype uh, is allowing me to chat with you right now. All right, so um, send me a little message, control room. Let me know. All right, you do raid me. Great. Um, and uh, on Facebook Messenger, uh, send me a message telling me of uh, any callers who might be holding on the air. The message, or pardon me, the uh, phone line to reach us here, the Liberation Station radio show on until 10 p.m. tonight, Eastern Time, is 727-441-3000. That's 727-441-3000. And toll free 866-826-1340. That's 866-826-1340. 866-TAN-1340 is how that translates. The website is theliberationstation.com where you can tune into us live and join in the chat room. The live chat room and the uh, listen slash archives page where there is also the handy-dandy player where you can both chat and listen to the radio station at the same time without having to tune into your radio, or you can tune in through the TuneIn application on your mobile device. All those links there are there on the Listen slash Archives page to download the TuneIn app through the Apple App Store, the uh, Google Play or Windows Store if you have a Android mobile device. Um, great. I am getting your messages control room and we will get to the guests soon. And let me first just cover the next uh, story here. In just a moment. All right. Um, now we have a great story, another incur another good news story coming from uh, the Free Thought Project. Watch good cop charges police chief with a felony and is immediately fired. This was just uh, posted, written by Matt Agarist, posted July 26, 2018. And uh, you can see the video, which I'm not, we're not going to play on the show here tonight. New Holland, that's New Holland, Ohio, New Holland Police Sergeant Brad Mick was doing his job of trying to fight crime in the city of new holland and for his dedication to duty he was fired this good cop was relieved from duty because the alleged criminals he went after were part of the thin blue line mick dared to call out corruption in his own department by executing a search warrant and filing charges against the mayor the current police chief and the former police chief he was then immediately fired, but not before he tried to seek protection from termination. According to the Fayette Advocate, Mick filed what is commonly known as a, quote, whistleblower protection affidavit, end quote, under Ohio law with fiscal officer Mavis Yorchuk. A week ago, on Monday night, he filed the same document with the mayor, police chief, and council vice president, Greg Shaw. Quote, pursuant to the Whistleblower Protection Act of Ohio and Revised Code 4113.52, let this serve as my notification that I believe felonies are being committed by New Holland Mayor Claire, quote unquote, Butch, Betsco, 
and New Holland Village Marshal David Conrad, end quote, read the affidavit. Quote, pursuant to RC, that's revised code 4113.52A1A, that's a subparagraph A1A. This is my complaint. The village and its administration are hereby put on notice that you are barred from seeking retaliatory measures against me, including but not limited to removing or suspending the employee or employment, withholding from the employee's salary increases or employee benefits to which the employee is otherwise entitled, transferring or reassigning the employee, Denying, denying the employee a promotion that otherwise would have been received, reducing the employee in pay or position. After Mick discovered the forge, discovered forgery crimes within the department, he obtained a search warrant and carried it out Saturday, out on Saturday, with the help of the Ohio Highway Patrol and Pickaway County Sheriff's Office, Mick raided the department, quote, for an officer to investigate his own boss when he has probable cause and evidence of a crime being committed is perhaps the most commendable act of all, end quote, said criminal defense attorney Brad Jones of Mick's bravery to cross the thin blue line. Quote, this officer clearly takes his oath of office seriously, and any law enforcement officer who cannot respect that should not have a badge or gun, end quote. On July 18th, it was brought to my attention that a paper faxed to the Ohio Attorney General's office by the village of New Holland might be a forged document, end quote. Mick wrote on the request for a warrant, end quote. Or, uh, quote, the form was dated for July 16th, 2018, as being signed by Jason Lawless. What's in a name, you might ask? However, Jason Lawless was believed to be in the state of Alabama on that date and not present in the state of Ohio, end quote. After Mick compared the form to dozens of other documents, he determined that the signature was forged. And in this article I'm mentioning, which will go up on the website, theliberationstation.com on the show information, you can see in this article uh, that I'm from which I'm reading that the handwriting samples certainly do look like forgeries, or the uh, forgery does look like, a, a, it certainly does look like a forgery compared to the uh, about dozen or uh, 15 other handwriting samples. Now, I'm not a handwriting analyst. I'm not a graphologist or graphologist. My mom, my late mom was, and uh, that doesn't make me an expert, but certainly uh, I would say that uh, certainly looks like a forgery to me. Give me just one moment to pause. All right. Uh, control room, I am getting your messages, thanks. And just to continue with the article, during the execution of the search warrant, the mayor showed up and attempted to go inside the department. However, police had set up a perimeter and refused to allow him in. After finding evidence of the felony forgery during the raid, Mick served a felony summons to Mayor Claire quote-unquote, Butch Betsko, and Police Chief David Conrad during a town hall meeting on Monday. As Mick handed Conrad his summons, he was immediately given a termination letter with no cited cause for his firing. And to interject in the article here, if you see the video, that uh, that's exactly what happened. Mick then reportedly walked into the lobby and said, 
quote, just so you know, people, if you dis if you do the right thing around here, you get terminated, end quote. The crowd immediately began calling for the termination of the mayor because Mick filed this affidavit before he was fired. According to the Spitz law firm, he has grounds for a lawsuit and could be reinstated before the end of the week. Quote, if they have followed the proper protocols and successfully navigated the legal channels, whistleblowers in Ohio have legal recourse for retaliatory actions taken against them as a result of their whistleblowing, end quote, says Cincinnati attorney Robert A. Klinger, Klingler. However, this has yet to happen. Mick, like many other good cops before him, is experiencing the wrath of the thin blue line. Those cops who have the courage to cross it often end up punished, fired, or worse. Just this week, TFTP, that's the Free Thought Project, reported on the case of former DeLand police officer Allison Bainbridge, who reported a fellow cop for, fel for threatening and abusing an innocent citizen. She had the abuse record on her body camera, yet she was fired and not the offending cop. And that concludes this article. Well, um, what I just have to add briefly is that although the forgery is clear, in my humble opinion, expert testimony from a master graphoanalyst, graphologist, can be admitted as evidence to both determine whether a forgery was committed and hopefully determine and hopefully identify the, the forger by comparing the forgery to handwriting samples of any suspects. So we really do have uh, a lot to, to, to thank here. Um, this um, officer, this good cop defined uh, of um, uh, New Holland Police Sergeant Brad Mick. And uh, I'm going to move on to our uh, focus for tonight here. The time is, has come here uh, to uh, shift gears. And um, just uh, first mention that this uh, very good article by Craig Pittman at the Tampa Bay Times, Mosaic spent 20 years planting, planning new phosphate mine. DeSoto County has rejected it. Give me just one moment here and uh, check a couple things. All right. This is a brief article. And uh, before we welcome our guests, I'm just going to read it. It's uh, dated July 26, 2018. Mosaic Company, that's Mosaic Phosphate Mining Company, the world's largest phosphate company, has spent two decades lining up a new mine in DeSoto County as part of a broader effort to move its operations south. But DeSoto County commissioners last week, meaning uh, July 25th, 2018, slammed the door in the company's face, voting four to one against rezoning 18,000 acres from agricultural to mining. A major concern, the impact of mining on one of the state's most pristine waterways, Horse Creek, 
The creek is a major tributary of the Peace River, which supplies water for three counties. The commissioners voted down Mosaic zoning request Wednesday, Wednesday night, after two days of impassioned testimony from hundreds of people opposed to the mine. The rejection, after their own planning director recommended approval, came as surprise to many, including longtime mining foe Dennis Mater. Quote, after 16 years of activism, I have never seen a victory that decisive, end quote, said Mater, president of People Protecting the Peace River. Quote, hopefully this will turn the tide on them, end quote. And uh, Mater said he will be a guest on tonight's show. Uh, we'll see if he will be on the line in a little bit here. Uh, continuing the article. Quote, after 16 years of act activism, I have never seen a victory that decisive. Oh, pardon me. I did read that paragraph. Continuing on, a Mosaic spokesman said the company was, quote, unquote, disappointed with the decision and hinted at possible legal action. Quote, it is clear that our rezoning application met every requirement of law, and we will now begin reviewing our options to ensure our rights are protected, end quote said company spokeswoman Jackie Barron. I'm wondering if Barron is her real name. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have, shouldn't have mentioned that. That's, that was a low blow. Uh, I'm just, just too tempting to make a, a just, um, I'm, I'm just uh, shocked that uh, Mosaic has gotten away with as much as they have and, and uh, they want to overrule the will of the people, especially the super majority. Um, there in DeSoto County. And continuing the article, although phosphate was discovered in what is now DeSoto County, no one has mined there in a century because the richest deposits were farther north in Polk County. Phosphate miners have spent decades digging up millions of tons of the fertilizer ingredient there, processing it and shipping it out of the port of Tampa. But now that those mines are playing out, meaning they're being depleted. The company has spent the past 20 years working toward opening or expanding mines in Manatee, Hardy, and DeSoto counties. The effort has required a lot of long-range planning by the company. For instance, it, has, it applied for a state permit for the DeSoto mine in 2014, winning approval from the Department of Environmental Protection in 2017, meaning the state of Florida Department of Environmental Protection. The U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, seeing so many new phosphate mines looming on the horizon, launched a wide-ranging study of their environmental impact. The study found they would destroy nearly 10,000 acres of wetlands and 50 miles of streams, causing a quote-unquote significant impact. But the two-year study prepared for the federal agency by a consultant paid by the phosphate industry contended the miners would do such a good job of making up for the damage eventually that it wouldn't matter. Mosaic is so committed to the expansion of its footprint into new territory that it recently announced it's moving its corporate headquarters from Minnesota to Florida. As Mosaic has tried to move into the future, though it has had to deal repeatedly with questions about the industry's past damage to the environment, 
That includes a 1994 accident involving a predecessor, its predecessor, IMC Agrico, that sent 500 million gallons of slimy gray water rolling into the Alafaya River, flooding homes, killing livestock, mucking up ponds, and contaminating private wells. More recently, a sinkhole opened in 2016 under a phosphogypsum stack at Mosaic's Mulberry plant near the Hillsborough-Polk County line, sucking 215 million gallons of contaminated water into the aquifer. Now, I might add that's just an estimated. There's no way to tell for sure. Continuing the article, in the later case, in the latter case, the company failed to disclose the disaster of the surrounding community for three weeks, which angered residents once the news got out. Sealing the sinkhole took two years, $84 million and 20,000 cubic yards of grout, a thick mixture of water, cement, and sand, which hardens over time. At the DeSoto County hearing, a hastily organized contingent of charter boat captains from downstream of the proposed mine showed up in black t-shirts that said, quote, phosphate kills. A 1971 spill killed 90% of the fish in the 108-mile-long Peace River, end quote. Opponents of the mosaic of mosaics DeSoto mining plant were particularly concerned about its impact on their drinking water. The mine would be adjacent to Horse Creek, which provides 15 million gallons of the fresh water flow to the Peace River. The Peace River Minnesota Regional Water Supply Authority provides more than 28 million gallons of water a day to customers in Sarasota, Charlotte, and DeSoto counties. The creek is so pure that a water authority official once observed that the Peace River's purity is, quote, barely acceptable for water supply purposes, dot, 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 until the waters of Horse Creek enter it, end quote. When commissioners asked questions of Mosaic, they didn't like the answers, Mater said. One question they asked, how much of the mine's process water could be dumped into the creek? The answer, according to Mater, anywhere from 1 million to 30 million gallons a day. And while Mosaic would check the quality of the discharge once a week, it would be tested by an outside party no more than once a year. Last year, Manatee County Commissioners approved a 3,600-acre expansion to Mosaic, to a Mosaic mine that sits right next to the Lake Manatee watershed. Mosaic went back to the Manatee Commissioners Thursday to get approval for its operating permit. Manatee County was the last county to try to deny Mosaic what it wanted. In 2008, Manatee commissioners voted four to three to reject Mosaic's application to expand its Four Corners mine to a 2,048-acre site commonly called the Altman Tract. Mosaic filed a $617.8 million suit against the county. A year later, after an election that changed the composition of the commission, the county reversed its denial. Mosaic filed that lawsuit under the state's Burt Harris Act, 
The law, passed in 1995, says local governments cannot place such an quote-unquote undue burden on what landowners can do with his or her land that it prevents them from using it for a profit, regardless of the impact on neighbors or those who live and work downstream. And with that, I would like to welcome to the show we have Henry, pardon me, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to connect here with the control room. Um, pardon, sorry for the dead air here. Yeah. All right. I'm on. We have Henry Coleman. All right, I hear you, Henry Henry Coleman, and uh, we. I'm also told that we have uh, Molly Bowers. Is that right? <laughs> uh, Molly Bowen and Bowers. Carrie Bowen. Bowen. Sorry, I'm I'm trying to master this, this online stuff, so I'm sorry about that. Fumbling the name. And uh, who else do we have uh, as guests right now? Control room. All right. Um, uh, we we also have uh, was that Dennis? Was Dennis? Yes, that's Dennis. Great. Okay. Hi, so Dennis. we have all. F awesome. So we have all four of you: Molly Bowen, Carrie Bowers, Henry Coleman, and Dennis Mater. Yeah. Uh, yep. Awesome. All right. How's it going? <laughs> Great. Well, um, um, just briefly, I'll, I'll uh, introduce uh, Dennis Mater. We, we just mentioned there in that article, the executive director of People Protecting Peace River Incorporated, a 501c3 tax-deductible uh, non-for-profit organization. ProtectPeaceRiver.org is the site. And uh, we all, uh, uh, as mentioned, Henry Kuhlman is uh, heading up the uh, Wake Up DeSoto and Wake Up Hardy Facebook pages who help mobilize so many folks uh, to get out uh, to get out and speak at the DeSoto County Commission meeting this past uh, July 25th, this past Wednesday. So uh, let's start with uh, with you, Dennis, since you were mentioned in that article. Uh, can you tell us uh, how you uh, enabled such a wonderful victory, which is such a, a pleasant surprise? Well. I can't take all the credit for that, I can assure you. In fact, uh, um, but, you know, I've been uh, in the um, business of, of opposing phosphate mining for about 15 years now, as it was mentioned in that article. So you meet a lot of, a lot of people along the way. And, you know, recently um, our organization, 3PR, People for Protecting Peace River, uh, we're having uh, regular um, what we call coalition meetings with uh, Suncoast Waterkeepers um, and with um, uh, the English Sierra Club, was also tangentially involved. And uh, uh, people for protecting, I'm sorry, uh, Friends of Horse Creek. So, you know, along the way, we had uh, with the, also the Center for Biological Diversity had a, a big role in mobilizing people. 
and of course Henry Kuhlman and uh, were many others who, who participated in that effort. So, and I must say that then uh, people rose out of the ranks of uh, DeSoto County, people that weren't necessarily affiliated with any particular organization, people who were simply living in the shadow of the proposed mine and concerned about the quality of their drinking water, concerned about air quality and all those various factors that are um, become, you know, um, issues when you're living in the vicinity of a phosphate mine. And I think the people of DeSoto County were particularly um, sensitive what that, the, the presence of a phosphate mining operation would have on the culture of their county, which, you know, traditionally has been dedicated to um, agriculture and um, you know, cattle production. And uh, after all, this was a zoning change, which would have, have rezoned 18,000 acres, which are dedicated to ag. We call it ag 10, and changing that to phosphate mining industrial. And you know, so people rose out of the uh, rose out of out of the uh, ranks, and and uh, you know, there were dozens and dozens of people at that um, uh, hearing that I had never met before under any previous conditions. And I think Scarlett County was also very sensitive and responsive uh, to what was uh, what they were proposing. So we had the uh, captains for clean water. We had contractors who came up from Charlotte County. And we had uh, some very, very uh, articulate spokespeople in the real <laughs> estate in, um, the industry speaking against the uh, proposed mine. But, so that's you know, a lot. Uh, excuse me. Yeah. Go right ahead. Um, yeah, Chris, let me just go down the list of the, uh, of the various organizations that were involved in this effort. Uh, there was, of course, uh, uh, All right, Henry? Dennis's, uh, yeah, uh, People for Protecting Peace River, uh, Florida, Against Phosphate Mining, People Protecting DeSoto, Friends of Horse Creek, uh, Hashtag Nosaic, Center for Biological Diversity, Sun, Keys, Sun Coast Waterkeepers, Minnesota 88, and then up to our north, there was a Swanee River Keepers, uh, which, is a, which is a group that has uh, uh, kept phosphate mining out of Union and, uh, and Bradford counties. And then, of course, down south, there's the uh, Captains for Clean Water. And there's another group I don't know the name of uh, associated with the Charlotte Harbor. So those are, those are just some of the organizations that were involved uh, in supporting this effort uh, that, that came upon us on fairly short notice. Uh, just, just, just to give you an idea of various organizations that are out there that are active in, in fighting phosphate mining. Well, broad-based coalition, I'm sure, nonpartisan, transpartisan, and when it comes to saving life, that's what we need to do. We need to fight our common enemies. Um, so um, I'm so encouraged to see when folks can meet, especially personally like that, and and enjoy such a fantastic victory. Um, you know, I, yeah, I had a thought. It just came to me when you were mentioning. Uh, do you know that the week prior 
uh, to this meeting that Hardy County, you know, the county just north of DeSoto, they passed a new mine for Mosaic that has 28,000 acres. And th- this, you know, this rezoning was only actually 14,000 acres. They passed an actual mine that they're going to mine out with 28,000 acres, which they already have owned 40% of that county. And the vote was five to zero with almost no questions. And the only and the only opposition in the room were a, a couple of these environmental groups. That's the, that's the county to the north. Now, so you have to ask the question, how did it happen that DeSoto County voted four to one to deny any mining in their county one week later? Isn't that amazing that something like that could happen with the same company with on a sister county, identical counties, both rural counties, uh, landlocked per se. I mean, they don't have oceans. They don't have interstates touching them. Isn't that interesting that that could happen? So you have to ask the question, what's different between Hardy County and DeSoto? I mean, that, that's the central question, isn't it? Because these same groups that I'm talking about have the, been acting the commissioners. in counties. <laughs> Maybe it's the commissioners, the, the uh, quality of their conscience. I, I think that a, a central point is that a certain thing happened. Is not only the commissioners, but the people. A desperate group of people came out they realized exactly what was at stake in their county because basically, I hate to say this, but Hardy County is a lost county. I mean, they've been under attack by the phosphate mines now for so many years. Uh, And as a matter of fact, they served as a bad example for DeSoto because what we did in DeSoto is we used Hardy County as the poster child of what you don't want to happen to your county is is that's that's what happened. So we used the mines in Hardy County on a very recent basis by flying over those mines and taking high quality photographs uh, and countering all of the arguments that Mosaic was trying to, to give on what a great job they do and looking at that county from. <laughs> 20 or 30 years ago, from all of the mining that they've done in that county, encountering all of the arguments that Mosaic has given, showing that they don't have any land that they grow crops on, that they have good pasture with native grasses. They don't have land that, that is productive, that is brought back into production. So. Their property values, as shown on the appraisers, the, the appraisers uh, map, are, are valued uh, at a half or less, or even less, than in productive land right next door. So we sh- we were able to show that to the commissioners, and not only the commissioners, but to all the people. And then, as a combination of all those things, and in a very short period of time, we were able to mobilize the people and get the word out and and people finally understood that you know what 
if we don't do something about this, they finally understood that it wasn't just a rezoning, which was the way it was advertised by the county and Mosaic. It's just a small little thing. We're just going to change the character of the zoning. And we were able to convince the people that, no, it's not. You know, you're letting the fox in the hen house. If you get three votes on the rezone, it's all over. Because just like Craig Pittman said in Manatee, once they get that property rights under rezoning, you give them Bert Harris empowering, and they will come back and they will sue you for their right to mine. And they, in this case, there's so much land there. It's a total of 23,000 acres or 36 square miles. They will come back and sue you, in this case, probably for about $900 billion or maybe more. And, you, and they will have to allow them to mine out not only that land, but in 2040, I understand they're going to expand the mining overlay to make it even bigger because they want to mine out Bone Valley. That's the fact. That's how close it came in DeSoto to losing the whole thing. Because once they had that vote and they had those powers and then they would have they would have had the domino effect and they would have done to DeSoto what they've done and what they're doing to Hardy County. I'll, I'll stop with that, but uh, you know the the other members of our group, uh, Molly, Molly uh, she was instrumental uh, because she knows everyone around there. She lives there. She lives right up next to where the mining was going to take place, where they were going to wipe out these streams, Brandy Branch and uh, Buzzard's Roost, and all of these beautiful areas up there were going to disappear uh, and be and be polluted. And then, uh, and then Carrie Bowers, uh, she she uh, lives there as well and is also active down in the Punta Gorda area. And she was able to help mobilize uh, the watermen down there. And they had a beautiful rally on the Monday night uh, before the first meeting, uh, Monday night on the 23rd. And she was able to go down and help mobilize those folks. And they came up in mass. These were smart people. So... Uh, I, I, so I'll, I'll stop with that, but, uh, okay, go ahead. Great. Yeah. Uh, we, we just have, uh, in this hour, uh, about a minute and a half left and, uh, we'll bring, um, we'll, uh, get uh, Molly bones and Carrie, Carrie Bowers take, uh, since they're on the, on the line there. Um, all right. Yeah. I, I hear the bumper music starting. So, uh, if you'd like to join us here, the call in number is seven, two, seven, four, four, one, three thousand. Toll-free, 866-826-1340. And uh, if you, uh, if you uh, guests uh, would like to uh, hold on, we'll start on at seven minutes after the hour. So um, it's uh, not going to be that we're coming right back. It'll be seven minutes after the hour. We'll, we'll hear from all of you. You're listening to the Liberation Station radio show, theliberationstation.com. Stay tuned, and we will be right back.
WTAN, Clearwater. FM 106.1. WDCF, Dade City, Tampa Bay. WZ. table of four guests on the uh, wonderful fantastic tremendous victory i love you guys for the victory against the awful giant of phosphate that perturbs me so much mosaic phosphate mining company there in desoto county that uh, that you pursue and uh, so many other concerned citizens uh, who you helped rally uh, join to convince the DeSoto County Commission in rejecting Mosaic's ability to mine 14,000 acres, or I, I'm not sure if that's 18,000 or somewhere in between or whatever it is. You can correct me in a moment. The guests are Molly Bowen, Bowen pardon me, Bowen, Carrie Bowers, Henry Coleman, and Dennis Mater. Um, and uh, we were just uh, talking uh, about how that was uh enacted with other groups uh, who also joined in. Um, now, I, I'd like to uh, get over to, uh, in alphabetical order, uh, see what Molly uh, has to say about how this came about and uh, maybe some of the other players or anything you'd like to mention about why this is such a historic victory. Hi, I just want to say thanks for having us on, on the line, uh, live air or whatever. And uh, I agree with everything that uh, Henry and uh, Dennis said. And um, just, yeah, we live here and we like it the way it is. Even if it floods, we can deal with it. Like my daughter said in the meeting, one time, you know, she had to go out to the bus stop in a, a John boat to get to the bus and up to her neck and water and all that. But we don't mind that. We can live with that. We What we would mind terribly if it was the mosaics waste and all that mixed in with it. The radioactivity, uh, you know, fluoride all, and all heavy metals. And, yes, fuel, and maybe you yes, can finish oil. the list for me. <laughs> Long list. Henry yeah. got it. <laughs> so, uh, so, Molly, uh, where do you live? Where do, where do you live? I live in the middle of what Mosaic calls on their map, on their permit map, it's called the unnamed slough. 
and it's a huge waterway that comes from their property, runs across Pine Level, and goes through the Pine Level neighborhood, um, Eucalyptus Ave, and Pine Creek, and all the names that that have something to do with water. It's called, really, Turkey Creek. Um, it, it, they just call it the unnamed slough. So everybody forgets about it. And I also raised my kids on Horse Creek, and that is in the Hidden Acres neighborhood, and that is south, southwest of their property, very, very close. And it's like the hidden neighborhood that Mosaic um, and the DEP forgot to add to their list of living people uh, way, way, way too close. And they should never be in the watershed. Um, and I guess that's why they are here. It's because they like the watershed, you know, helps them get to dig out easier. But no, just like Henry said, we stopped them at the line. They can't come here. And we're going to push back. We're going to push back in Ono because even if they don't ever dig into Soto, we will still be impacted by the Ono mine, which comes almost to the county line. And their 2040 map, they want to be all the way up to the line by then to meet. They'll have the whole part of Florida dug out, the Bone Valley. You know, so we say no. We say Nosaic, actually. So hashtag Nosaic. Arcadia, Florida. Mm -hmm. Great. <laughs> yeah, that uh, Facebook group we'll have to link up to on the website and so many of the others that you mentioned. Okay. Uh, so hard to do show preparation, so I'll stop complaining there. But soon uh, it'll be in the show info and folks can uh, right. find that they have a great support network with you and so many others. It's kind of interesting because Horse Creek, uh, it's kind of an interesting little creek. It's known for flooding, by the way. And it goes uh, all the way uh, through DeSoto, all the way up through Hardy County. Yeah. And the, the headwaters are way up into Hardy County. And uh, and it goes right by a prison in Hardy County, uh, actually a maximum security prison. And you can see if you just go on Google Maps uh, and zoom in, you can see how they've mined on both sides of Horse Creek and confined that, that little creek. Yeah. It's not even a creek. It should be a river. Uh, right. And can find that thing and tamed it and and put their berms and stuff in some some areas where uh, they have their sand uh, sand reclamation where all of that goop and stuff pours right into Horse Creek. So yeah. uh, so when you see all of this stuff about uh, blue green algae and red tides and you know we think it's all connected. Because yeah. they have so much mining going on, and all of this stuff is connected. And when you hear that, how much, how many gallons per day does Horse Creek uh, put into the Peace River? I think Craig Pittman said something, 28 million or something gallons per day. Mm -hmm. And I think Dennis Mater may have said that he heard in the meeting that uh, that outfall could put out during the rainy season 30 million gallons per day. Mm -hmm. Now, this is from a clay settling area. There's eight of them proposed that have uh, the, the dams on those are six stories high. They're uh, three to 400 acres each holding water that goes up to four feet to the top, below the top. Once it gets within four feet, it, it, it goes into a, a giant pipe that's on the inside and, and, and that goes out onto the ground that goes into streams tributaries, whatever, 
that ends up in Horse Creek, that ends up in Peace River, that ends up in Charlotte Estuary, that they say they test for certain types of metals. Uh, and then they say that DEP uh, tests once per year. Other than that, all the goop goes in there because that's where, oh, they failed to mention that there's a huge mine that's proposed in Manatee County right across the line because all of their mine goes right up to the Manatee County line. Huge mine in Manatee County. Of course, Manatee County, I don't know if you know this, Chris, but the process of phosphate mining is very simple. They take a huge drag line, uh, dig up the matrix down to 60, 70 feet. Uh, first of all, they, they scrape off the top 10 to 15 feet of topsoil overburden, dump that down into the pit next to the matrix. They cover that up because they don't have any room to save it. So they dump that. They cover that up. So they don't use that. And then they dig the matrix up, and then they make a slurry out of that in a pit with a water can, and they pump that three to four or five miles to their separation plant. They mix that with bunker oil reagent, some kind of solvent to separate the to separate the uh, fine particles of phosphate. And then what's left, they put the phosphate in a railroad car to ship off to the fertilizer plant to make their phos uh, fertilizer. They put in a ship. Most of that goes overseas to China, India. So most of it doesn't even go to the United States. So what's left is clay. The clay is useless. It's toxic, it's, and it has reagents. They have to get rid of that. They put that in these huge clay settling areas. It's just going to be goop forever. So that's where it's going to go now. In Manatee County, where they're going to propose a huge mine, Manatee doesn't want that clay. They're going to pump all that clay over into DeSoto, which we're never going to allow to happen. So that's going to save Manatee. Manatee, that's going to save Manatee from those mines. So otherwise, they would put those that clay in these huge clay settling areas that the people are going to be living next to. So that if they ever break, of course, it would be unbelievable catastrophe. All of that would go into the Horse Creek, down to the Charlotte Harbor estuary. That's why those mm -hmm. captains were up there. So what's left? Sand, clay, sand, phosphate. So that, mm -hmm. what they do is then they pump that sand back. That's all they have left. So that's why we're able to prove with pictures exactly what the process is. There's no answer for that. Mm -hmm. That's why we were able to show the commissioners that there is no, there, there's no reason to ever approve phosphate mining, not a single reason. You can't, you can't defend it on jobs, taxes, nothing, because you're taking this or this land out of production forever, for what? Nothing. So, and what Molly's saying, another thing they do, is they mitigate these wetland areas. So what they not, don't mine, they'll mine right up to. So all of the watershed and the basins and the drainage, they lose that drainage because they can't have that, that, all that goop and stuff going into that watershed. So, so they're going to lose the drainage, the basins that goes into those creeks and stuff. And it, where they can, they will mine out those, those wetlands. And then they will mitigate it by finding some wetlands somewhere else, preferably 
places that they've already mined that they call new wetlands, and they'll trade that. They call it mitigating. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's a game that they play, a, a, a quid pro quo trading game. Yeah. So that, that yeah. way, they, they verbicide, can uh, verbicide, or yeah. re, redefining terms. So right. if, if you don't have the right term to use, then you don't know how to describe what you're talking about. So um, yeah, I should so, have mentioned there, Henry, right. that uh, with your ultralight, you have provided a lot of these photos. And uh, if you could talk about how you offered those um, to the county, you, you gave those to the county commission, presented them, um, and any other evidence like uh, folks with Geiger counters, uh, may, whether it's uh, some of the the, the waste that's been left behind or uh, shipped out elsewhere to playgrounds, as you mentioned to me uh, before. Yeah. Uh, if anyone would like to touch on that, go right ahead. It, it's a very, uh, it's a very interesting thing, uh, Chris, what happened? Because these things happened without anybody else doing it. The, the, all these things happened by themselves because there was a, there was a person, this person doesn't have a lot of money. He went out and bought a very expensive Geiger counter, and he went around and started testing uh, places for radiation, including a, a, a place in DeSoto where Mosaic had brought in uh, fossil material you know, that has shark's teeth and stuff in it for the kids to go play in. Uh, and and I, I guess a couple of years ago, there were photos of the kids playing in there, and, and it, they went in that area and they tested it. And the normal reading, you know, according to this chart that uh, provided by the government, the normal high reading on alpha radiation is uh, 50 units of, of what of the measurement for alpha. And and they were taking readings model. You can tell me was was it 350 or 450? What was that number? Uh, the highest we got was 450, and that's um. um Yes, so, so these readings were up to 450. So and what 50 should they to 450. be? Well, no higher than 50. So that that was not nine times the the normal high level of what would would, you, would be would be considered normal. Now that's alpha. Now this particular Geiger counter also measures a, a gamma. Uh, not the big number, but there's a smaller number. Uh, you know, there's there's a way to test gamma specifically by putting a piece of paper over the so but uh, just to tell you that this same person went throughout many different places in hardy county including hardy lakes park which is a showcase park that was given to the county by mosaic that they just built a two hundred thousand dollar community center it's the, the boat ramp to the number one lake that they did this same testing right there uh, next to the boat ramp next to their community center very high readings now, this alpha radiation is carried on dust as well. They were getting the same high readings in the air. So when you're driving around and the dust is up and the wind's blowing, you're getting same high readings with a, a, an expensive calibrated Geiger counter. So that was brought out in the meetings, in the meeting on the 20, well, there were 11 hours, 11 hours of testimony that those commissioners heard. So when they brought that up with, Mosaic, during the rebuttal period, just before the vote, and, of course, our hero is Commissioner Elton Langford. Yeah. He, he brought that up, and, uh, and they brought in their toxicology expert from up north somewhere, and he did a very bad job 
yeah. of, of trying to poo-poo. Uh, you know, it's a rinky-dink Geiger counter. Uh, the guy didn't know what he was doing. Uh, you have uh-huh. radiation uh, in your in your cavities, uh, radiation in your chest X-rays, uh, radiation's everywhere. So he, he did a bad job. So well, I saw a lot of a lot of bad, uh, lame excuses that uh, Mosaic was presenting, and I haven't gotten around to watching all of them, but uh, it just shows how overconfident they were thinking, they yeah. don't know why, that uh, they would have the county commission just roll over. Well, uh, we're, See, we're talking... So used to, I'm sorry. Well, just uh, briefly, okay. I want to reintroduce you that uh, on the line we have a roundtable with Molly Bowen, Carrie Bowers, Henry Coleman, and Dennis Mater, who are so instrumental in the uh, DeSoto County uh, disallowing Mosaic Phosphate Mining Company uh, from rezoning uh, ag- 18 or 14,000 acres of uh, agricultural land into into uh, mining land. And uh, the call-in numbers, uh, we do have a caller we'll get to in just a moment. The call-in number is 727-441-3000. That's 727-441-3000. Toll free 866 826 1340. That's 866 TAN 1340. And the show website is theliberationstation.com. And is uh, Frank there still on the phone? Yeah, I'm here. All right. How are you doing? Hey, doing great. Good. Well, it looks like uh, it used to be what big phosphate wants big phosphate gets, but not in this case. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You good people that are there with Chris, thank you so much for stopping them in their tracks. You know they're going to come back. You you know it's not over, but at least savor the victory for now, and then we're going to have to redouble our efforts. They are not going to stop. Right. Right. We aren't either, and we aren't either. (laughs) We know how to fight mosaic. Uh, well, you delivered uh, a, link. a blueprint for us, and uh, you, you know it's a gift. Um, and hopefully, people will pick up the torch and join you now that they see success is in within reach, and we can stop them from doing even more damage to our beautiful state of Florida. Look, look at these algae blooms. Look at look at all the stuff that's happening. Look at all the dead fish. This is all mosaic and big sugar, and these are the two big dogs that have got to go down. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree completely. What, what Frank is referring to, that quote, what big phosphate wants, big phosphate gets, is a quote that was delivered to both of us when we met privately in 2009 with a former Pinellas County Commissioner, Susan Latvala, um, who is the ex of uh, Florida State Senator Jack Latvala, she kept his last name, and apparently she likes to misappropriate things, but uh, such as it is. Um, we met with her in 2009, and uh, Frank brought 14 pages of uh, research on why water fluoridation is so terrible. And, and of course, that ties into the phosphate issue because the right. f- fluoride in the name of um, fluoridation, they they use the uh, industrial waste from right. phosphate mining. You can see that on the annual water quality analysis, the consumer confidence report for water quality that you get every year in the mail. And that's uh, on the county website. It says likely source of contamination for fluoride is aluminum and fertilizer discharge. 
so you know that that fertilizer discharge is mosaic and you can look at the material safety data sheet and see that it's mixed with um it's no it's not isolated fluoride it's not pharmaceutical grade fluoride certainly it's it's combined never been separated from the uh, heavy metals radioactive isotopes and hundreds of other toxins so you know she susan lotval a former pinellas county commissioner showed no interest she averted all interest in a, in those 14 pages and at the end of our meeting our private meeting she told us what big phosphate wants big phosphate gets so uh, you know i confronted her a couple times after that at uh, county commission meetings and in she was angry yes in public so but you know she was probably afraid that uh, we had privately recorded it but you know which is legal under the florida sunshine law if you can re record a, a a public official in the course of their duty I'm not saying whether we did or not, but she didn't deny having said that. She just said, me, Chris Steiner, took that grossly out of context. And she was referring to surrounding counties where big phosphate has more influence through campaign contributions and lobbying. But no, such isn't the case here in Pinellas County. Now, certainly other counties would never be the topic of conversation and her actions her voting speak louder than words and voting for water fluoridation consistently so yeah that that just shows how entrenched big phosphate is that when they have bought out a out, bought off a commissioner who invited us to invited the public to private meetings well it's really not worthwhile if they're not going to listen to you and that's what i that's part of my meaning and uh, bringing up the quote again is just let her, let folks know unless you r retract if you you um, take back that that statement that's not going to be worthwhile to meet with you in private anymore you're just going to let folks know it's it's a, a futile effort to try to to stop big phosphate right uh, i would i'd be interested in uh, hearing from dennis on what he thinks mosaic's going to do next i think they know him. Uh, as far as uh desoto county is concerned yeah yeah what do you what, what, what would be your guess well uh, according to our uh, legal counsel, um, it's going to be very, very difficult for Mosaic or any other uh, entity to um, refute what the the rezoning uh, denial that there is a the Supreme Court of Florida uh, passed on a law that allows a great deal of uh, latitude to the county commission and design in in denying a rezone so uh, for the first time in a long time they're on the defensive and yeah. they're going to pull their way uphill uh, to get so but what i think that they will do and i've seen this happen in hardy county i've seen it happen in manatee and i've seen it happen in charlotte county they will uh work behind the scenes with uh local politicians Mm -hmm. and uh, uh, it, and get and help get them elected contribute to their campaign and so forth and then they will uh, you know I don't know in this case I suppose they, they could come back and reapply for a rezone but I still mm -hmm. think that given, uh, the, the uh, uh, resistance that we witnessed in DeSoto County uh, I think that they rejected this line because it was an offense to their, their health and uh, 
public health and safety. But also, it was it, it's a uh, it's an insult to the agrarian culture of DeSoto County. So I don't think it's going to be an easy uh, 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 fruit. There's not going to be a low hanging fruit there for the uh, phosphate industry to pick anymore. And uh, I just want to return to something that we began to talk about at the beginning. Why did this happen in DeSoto County and not Hardy? And mm -hmm. there had been no, although there was historic uh, record of state in uh, DeSoto County, uh, there haven't been any modern mines there. Actually, uh, phosphate pebbles were first discovered in the Peace River, they say, around Arcadia, 1889, mm -hmm. by Colonel Barron. And that, that kind of gave birth to the phosphate industry in Florida, so it's over, you know, over a century ago. But the, the, the low-hanging fruit uh, was in Polk County, around in the Marshall-Mulberry Mar Mar area. And the further south they get in the Vone Valley Formation, uh, the deeper they have to go and the less profitable it is to mine phosphate. <laughs> so, uh, you know, one reason we were able to, uh, to claim some success a huge success, actually, in DeSoto County is because there had been no modern mining there. Whereas uh, right. Hardy, they managed to get themselves entrenched, uh, you know, around 30 years ago. And uh, I think the I think the people of Hardy County were submissive, are submissive in terms of allowing the phosphate industry to have their way. We right. couldn't mobilize the force like that. And, uh, that kind of support. They're too and, far uh, gone. Yeah, I'll just say something that uh, happened tonight. In DeSoto, they had a, a candidate form, in, interestingly enough, in the Mosaic Rodeo Arena that they spent $9 million on. I call it grooming. You know, they've been grooming that county just like they did uh, uh, Hardy County. So the candidate form uh, up for re-election the man that I say saved DeSoto. And if anyone yep. cares to look at the videotape, uh, this thing was going south, and at a certain point in time, the county attorney in the middle of Elton Langford's argument uh, that he was just getting ready to, I think, make the motion to deny the rezoning, the county attorney uh, interjected uh, illegally, I believe, interjected the idea that they suspend the vote completely, uh, table the table the issue, and bring it back and combine it with the application which Mosaic has already put in uh, for the uh, actual mining of all this land. And so that county attorney, unrequested by anyone, on his own, in the middle of this commissioner's argument. And he, was just, he, and he was getting to the point because he said, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and he's starting to make his arguments uh, about this. And this county attorney, on his own, without... Now, this is the same county attorney that refused to bring up the issue of Bert Harris for two and a half, or for a month and a half on his own, suggested to the chairman 
that we that they might think about not even voting at all, taking this issue off the table and giving it back to Mosaic and let them take another bite at the apple and come back later and have it all looked at again and let them reformulate everything and come back and try it again. And if Langford had allowed them to play that card, we wouldn't be talking right now. So it was because it was because of Langford uh, that this that he, he insisted, and he's the guy that made the motion. So my my, my I guess the point that uh, I'm I'm trying to make is because of what he did, Langford's running for re-election. He's going to win, so he gets four more years. Now I do believe he's going to be the chairman of the board. So I don't think Mosaic is going is going to have near the chance. Now at that forum, I do believe there were several people there. It was also broadcast live by one of our people. I failed to mention here, uh, Jeremy Block, live, who was at the meeting for eleven hours, broadcasting live over the internet. Everything. This is in a county, DeSoto, that doesn't have their meetings videotaped. Can you believe that? No videotaping of any meetings. They get away with all that. So he broadcast everything live over the Internet. Now, this same gentleman was at that political forum tonight, and they were asking all, every one of those candidates, are you pro-mining or anti-mining? Would you vote for or against? So we plan on getting every one of these guys on record early, and we're going to make sure that the citizens know where they stand on mining. So we think that Mosaic is going to have a hard time playing the, playing the uh, influence peddling card like they do it in Hardy County, where I, I told Chris I have 17 ethics complaints against public officials that were investigated. Three convictions, 17 were investigated, which is a pretty good track record for, for public corruption. So I don't think we're going to have that problem in DeSoto just because – these four people that voted yes were not corrupt. They were honest public officials that did what they had to do, and they voted the only way that they could do, which was the right way. Yes. So, okay, Dennis, I think I think that's the difference between. And the other thing is all they have to do is look to the north, and there's your answer. You'd never want to be like Hardy County. I mean, right. that was our message. Stop stop them at the line. Okay, I, I, I don't think you heard from Carrie yet, Chris. Uh, yeah, yeah, Carrie just uh, got back on the line with us. Uh, and first, I want to see, is Frank still here on the line? I'm here. All right, Frank, uh, we've run out of phone lines, so uh, would you mind calling back if you have any other points to make, unless you have something right now? No, no, it's good. Um, guys, keep the pressure up. With the, the bad press that Mosaic has gotten in the past decade or so, the, the gypsum stack breaking uh, during the one big storm, uh, the huge sinkhole a couple of years ago, if, he, if we keep the pressure up, they're, they're going to topple eventually. Now, I'm not saying, you know, put phosphate mining out of business completely, but the, the way they're doing it, and, you know, it's, it's just horrible. You know they're they're running uh, they're running uh, roughshod over the entire state. We we got to stop them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thanks, yeah. Frank. We appreciate you. That's what we're we're yeah. inspired All here right. by the guests on how they did it. Uh, so uh, hopefully we'll 
we'll find some instruction. So uh, yeah, and uh, get us going again on this issues in this area, in this county and uh, related issues like water fluoridation. Okay, right, guys, we'll have a, have a good night. All right, you, call back Thank anytime. You. All well, right, um, yeah. Yeah, I think that uh, in order to, to stop them um, and uh, allow Elton Langford or uh, free elections for him or any other politician, statesman, um, to, um, as Bev Harris said, uh, she's with blackboxvoting.org, she, she says that not only do you need poll watchers, but also central tabulator watchers when it comes with the, to these electronic voting machines. So when it, um, when it, whether it's politicians or, uh, say, initiatives on a ballot, uh, in order to amend a state charter, city charter, uh, pardon me, state constitution or city or county charter, then um, you need to make sure that uh, that can we can have the fairest elections possible. Monitoring them, you know, might uh, discourage them from cheating, even though they're still able to with the with the voting machines. I'm all for going back to hand counted paper ballots, so we don't have uh, an outside party to blame. But um, I, I'd also uh, like to um, get back to uh, the unmonitored amount of pollution that, um, if you, if anyone, uh, any one of you can comment on the the honor system that uh, Mosaic uh, enjoys, that their emissions into our water, into our air, is self-monitored, self-regulated. It's on the honor system. It's not being watched by the uh, Federal Environmental Protection Agency, and or nor the Florida Department of Environmental Protection. And same with their uh, amount of water that they can pump out of the Florida aquifer. I've seen the, the permit from Swift Mud, the Southwest Florida Management District, um, is 99 million gallons per day. Then it went down to 77 million gallons per day. And, and uh, Henry, you're telling me 96 million gallons per day, but uh, that's also on the honor system, isn't it? And, and can you give me some facts and figures on, on what the deal is? Yeah, Dennis would know better than me. Dennis? Well, I would just, uh, what I'd like to say there is the um, administration of the state of Florida, at the minute that uh, Rick Scott was elected to office. One of the first things that he did was, well, it's the same thing that happened in the Trump administration. They began to lay off uh, veterans in the um, State Department of Environmental Protection. So really, those agencies, I think you could say the same thing about both the EPA and the DEP, don't have the resources that they once had to monitor these big companies. So they have a very little alternative but to rely on the companies to, to provide them with the data. So that's, that's where they're at. As, you, as you've mentioned, Chris, they, they, uh, they provide the data. But of course, you know, um, you know it, it, it's not difficult to falsify it or to fudge it, that sort of thing. So the, uh, that, that sinkhole in the September 2016 was a perfect example of that. Where, in Mulberry, uh, Florida? You're talking about yeah. the Mulberry sinkhole, yeah. That's what I'm talking about, yeah. The most recent uh, sinkhole that the, um, 
we had a hydrologist who looked at the records and found that that, that sinkhole was relatively predictable. Uh, and the data showed that. And there had been previous sinkholes that were had gone unreported on that particular uh, site, New Wales fertilizer production site. So, yeah, so the, yes, the, uh, the industry controls the data and then they turn it over to the state for regulation. But, you know, obviously in that case, mm -hmm. that system didn't work. Because yeah, there well, uh, there was the, the going to be some subsidence at that particular gyp stack, and uh, sure enough, it happened. Yeah, yeah, there, there's a, like you say, it was forewarned, and uh, um, I find this uh, St. Pete Times article by Craig Pittman, a great author, a writer at the St. Pete Times, now Tampa Bay Times, dated July 6, 2003, entitled A $140 million Mess that, uh, you know, is already, I'm just summarizing that uh, they already knew that the Mulberry sinkhole was likely back in the 90s. So yeah, you know, <laughs> Craig Pittman was there trying to warn us about it back then too. And um, yeah. uh, but uh, yeah, I'd, I'd also like to uh, touch on uh, the amount of water. Uh, do they? Uh, how much does Mosaic? Is, are, does anyone know how much they're allowed to pump out of the Floridan Aquifer by the by Swift Mud by permit? They're allowed. They're allowed to pump uh, sixty nine million gallons. Sixty nine million gallons per day. And that's, that's on the honor right. system. Uh, yeah, most most likely, yes, because yes, they have to. They would monitor their own wells and provide that data to the DEP. Uh, I got an email from um, one of your employees, um, Heather Medley, and she told me that they were permitted up to sixty nine thousand million uh, million per day, but that they only use forty or. 50 or 60, you know, it, I mean, I really don't believe in them. Sorry. You know, we're, uh, did, did you know yeah, they have an answer to number. everything. Goodness, you may. Uh, how many gallons of their water do they use to dilute their outfall water to make it uh, uh, safe to dump into the rivers? Well, safer, according to the the solution to pollution is dilution, so-called principle you're talking about. <laughs> right. So they use fresh water out of the aquifer to dilute their wastewater so that it meets the pollution standard so that they can dump it into the river. So I don't know what, how many, how much of their 69 million gallons a day they use for that purpose, but there is a certain amount. Do you know, Dennis? No, I can't quote that figure. Okay, I don't either. But there is a certain amount that they that they don't like to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't researched. I just saw in Florida Sierra Club that it was 99 million gallons some years ago. And Craig Pittman, uh, when I called him up a few years ago on a radio show, mentioned that it was down to um, I think uh, 77 million gallons per day. Not that it matters. I mean, you know, a million here, a million there. Pretty soon you're talking <laughs> real water. <laughs> But uh, at the same time, we're being overcharged for our water. You know, Mosaic gets uh, so gets it so inexpensively 
it's basically free at that level. And, uh, you know, and yet every year at the annual utility rate change, which is a utility rate increase hearing, they're always given more reasons to increase the, the rate, our rates as users of water, as citizens. You know, well, people are using less, they say, at the Pinellas County Commission. And, well, you told us to use less so that the rates would go down, but yet you're using that as the excuse to increase the rates. So. And then um, the... Uh, the emissions that are unmonitored, I'd like you all to touch on. Uh, I, I see the alpha beta photon emitters on the annual water quality analysis. Likely source of contamination is natural and man-made runoff. Um, you know, who's monitoring mosaics uh, emissions into our water, into our air? Mosaic. Nobody. Right. They are monitoring. <laughs> That's what, just what it. Said. It's like they're in control of their whole operation right down to their water testing. When I find that a little difficult, that should be state monitored. The state gave them the permit, and the state should be monitoring their water release into our creek, which runs to Horse Creek, which runs to Peace River, which runs to Charlotte Harbor, which runs right to Boca Grande. So it's like their word doesn't mean a lot to me. Unfortunately, you know, they were asked that question by the uh, commission uh, during the rebuttal period just before the vote. And the head of their labs and their testing and their 16 uh, people that work in that department uh, said that the only thing that they test in house was for certain metals. And I think it's, you know, for the quality of the phosphate or whatever, uh, personally. But they don't test for the. Uh, any labs for the air quality and stuff they take samples uh but from from what i could tell uh they didn't just listening to it you can listen to the video uh they don't do that type of testing and and from from a radiation standpoint they definitely don't do it because they talked about how complicated it was and they would have to send that out to special labs but right. it, it didn't sound like they did they did that type of testing they don't do that type of testing and so, uh, and I will also say that I just checked this myself a few weeks ago. I called um, the Florida Fishing Game and other agencies to find out because I fly over their uh, man-made ponds that they make all over the place because they don't have enough uh, material to fill in their holes. So they, they end up making these ponds everywhere, the pits, which in many cases are way too deep. Uh, and they end up, you know, the lower parts don't have any oxygen in them, so you have all these dead zones. And then the upper parts are full of these invasive uh, aquatic plants uh, that are not controlled. And then I found out that because it's private property, uh, the state and federal agencies aren't even allowed on that property. And there's absolutely no control or regulation by any agency that requires mosaic which has hundreds of these uh, ponds and lakes and pits and stuff all over the place no, no regulation at all that requires them to control uh, these, these highly invasive uh, four or five aquatic plants that are spread all over the place uh, on their land and it, it's the same way with kogan grass which i was told that they actually you know it was, it was brought over here and Oh, packing material or something from Japan at some point. Uh, 
And in Mosaic, at a certain point up in Polk County, I was told, was actually planting Kogan grass on the side of their uh, uh, clay settling areas on the banks you know, to hold them for erosion and stuff. And th- they, they have to be the biggest purveyors of Kogan grass anywhere, which is the, listed as one of the ten worst weeds in the world, Kogan grass. And it is everywhere uh, that Mosaic has mined out land, including released land. So, and they're not regulated at all on, on, for any of this stuff by anybody. And in Hardy County, where they have six drag lines at any given point in time digging, two of them within sight of Wachula, uh, at one time on both sides of the, of the city, east and west, you could see drag lines digging. They have a mining department of two people. Two people that don't have college degrees, that didn't, didn't even apply for those jobs. They were nepotism-type jobs. They've been in those jobs forever. And they are the only mining department for about five different mines and a bunch of mines that released land. And I can't even begin to tell you. Two people. Think about that. That's that's the then they just approved another twenty eight thousand acres. So that just they have, a, they have a drag line on their county field. Can you believe that? Oh yeah, Hardy yeah. County. And see, yeah, that is what's going to keep DeSoto mine free all day, all night. Oh, sorry, Carrie. How do so they Carrie, operate me? them twenty four seven? For the people that? that live around there, I mean, that's just constant noise, you know? Oh, it's unbelievable. Light. The chains clanking is what drives people crazy on those on It would drive you crazy. The, uh, I would be a mile away from maybe one big site, maybe two the other. That's why I live here in this quiet county, because mm-hmm. you can hear a dog barking three miles away. How would mm-hmm. you even live? And, and that kind of noise 24-7, you know, clankety-bank 24-7. Now, the mosaic guy assured me it would be no louder than your dishwasher running in the house. You know, it's an interesting, interesting but, argument because mosaic, when they give their presentations, they spend 90% of their time talking about decibels of the drag line and how many photons are on the headlights of the drag lines or whatever. But in reality, those drag lines are there for, let's say, six months or a year, and then they're gone or whatever. But they don't want to talk about that land being completely useless for 200 years out yeah. of production or the or right. the rivers or the, or the history. Think about Molly. You're talking about all that stuff where all those people lived and the history and the Indians and everything being completely wiped out like it never existed. There's not going to be any reunions there. It's completely gone. You look at Hardy County uh, on a Google map, it's like nobody ever lived in those places because they move in, they buy all all the property on both sides of all the roads, then they... You know, they gave Hardy County sixty or forty-two million dollars for all these roads. Then they took out all the infrastructure and all the roads and the utilities and everything. So even if they wanted to start selling that property back, how are the people going to even use those parcels? 
can't even get to them. So you have massive areas that were depopulated of the people, of the businesses, of the farm workers, the ability to even use those areas, even if they could use them, can't even get to them. And that's what Mosaic does is they depopulate and they, they take the opportunity away to even develop. And that's why Hardy County's dying because the economic base is being cut right out of them. And that's why the whole county is dying. And all the, all the people that have money, they get as much as they can from this mining money. They sell out if they can, and then they leave. And that's yeah. what, they, what they do. Okay. Sorry. Mm. You know, it's environmental, ecological, and economic wreckage. And if you look at all the, the wasteland, uh, you know, I, I wish we, we could show it on the radio. And there was a clip uh, I had hoped to play, but uh, you know, all of what you have to say is so much more important just to show how many of the scandals, the natural disasters that Mosaic Phosphate Mining Company has caused. But I'm wondering if we have maybe hope as I... Um, I see this uh, U.S. patent that says that radio, uh, radioactive isotopes can be uh, neutralized. Uh, and if you do a search uh, of uh, the term, a uh, web search of the term laser radioactive waste decay, you can find things like uh, U.S. patent 6331774 or research from universities around the world like Helsinki University of Technology. Uh, we have those posted on the website for the show information last show since we mentioned it last show. But you can also perform a web search for the term laser radioactive waste decay water. And you'll find that it's effective for use on radioactive water, too. I don't know how that would work. Maybe they would use the lasers that have a scattered beam. I'd like to know from a physicist why it isn't being employed, uh, maybe for Fukushima or for these various sinkholes over the years that Mosaic has caused or other uh, phosphate mining companies who are their predecessors have caused. Um, you know, but you'll find that radioactive isotopes with half-lives of millions of years, meaning it takes millions of years for them to naturally decay, become harmless, they can be neutralized in less than an hour with lasers. So that's something that I think that uh, I would like to see pursued by science, more, minds more scientific than mine, and uh, maybe have mosaic uh, employ these kinds of remediation as well as epidemiological studies for all the death and destruction they've caused well and it's not just the people it's like what about the displacement of all the wildlife on fourteen thousand acres or in ona on twenty four thousand acres i mean those animals have a range to live in they they don't leave so now what's going to happen to all of them they they don't understand that that's a clay pond full of fuel oil and God only knows what else in there, they're going to drink out of it. They're going to drink out of the creeks. They're going right. to drink out of the ditches. They they don't know any better. So in a way, it's kind of like they're like the, the, the lost critters of the world. It's like, you know, nobody cares what, what happens to all the different animals, right down to the fish, to the raccoons, armadillos, I mean, everything you could possibly name. And yeah, and yeah. they just don't seem to, to care about that. I mean, my heart lays in wildlife pictures, and I live on Pine Level, and I have a tremendous amount of wildlife here. 
And they would basically die a slow, horrible death because they know no better than to drink out of the watersheds that they've always known. And I just feel like, you know, no, they they don't care about that. You know, and I ask them, they don't care. That, what about that, the that's the bottom line. Yeah, they that, do. That is the bottom line. Well, we have just uh, less than a minute left. Uh, thank you, Molly Bowen, Carrie Bowers, Henry Coleman, and Dennis Mader. You're welcome to come back anytime on the show. Uh, the show will be archived here at theliberationstation.com. And, and this is such a broad topic. I'm sure we'll be talking about it and uh, related issues in the near future. Well, thank so you thank you very much for coming thank on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So you. Okay. Thanks. Take great care, all. You too, buddy. You too.